1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with Tim Wurzberger and John Scott. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope you had a good weekend. I, I, I kind of did. Nothing to write home about. You know what happened, Tim? Before I get into this topic I'm very heated about. So I got all my wood stacked, got all my wood split, everything, and it snowed. So I didn't have a chance to put a tarp on it because it had been raining and so now I got it snowed pretty good this weekend, but looking outside, it looks like it's all melted somehow. It must be warm outside. Now the wood's all wet, so I'm just like, what do you do? Because then you put a tarp on it and freezes, and it doesn't have time to air out. And you don't know what it's like to heat your house with wood. You you're you're a one percenter. You have you have a furnace, so you don't understand what it's like living off grid like me
0: speaking of furnaces my buddy uh his blue last week so they had he's got like a one-year-old kid him and his wife moved up to his parents for the time being because it's going to be a while to fix it and it's going to be like 20k minimum to fix it and he's like him and his wife 20K? Are, yeah maybe not the furnace the heater or something like that like something that heats the house whatever it was and it was like that was a low end and he was just like and i think part of that factored the rush job but he was like My wife and I are both teachers. We need it cheap, but we also need it now. So, like, what can we do? And he's just—it's tough. Tough
1: being a homeowner. You learn lessons pretty quick. I tell you what—the beautiful thing about having a wood stove. Not that my listeners care, but you—you get heat all the time, regardless. Powers out, apocalyptic war. We get invaded by Russia. I can still heat my house at at all times, and it never smells. Never smells smoky in the house. Um, if if we get a little bit of a backdraft, because you know I live up on that big hill, so if the, if the wind's blowing, it'll blow down the chimney and it'll force the smoke down, but very rarely. Once you get that suction going of the heat and the hot air to the cold air, it naturally pulls it up. Very rare does it still smell smoky. If, if I let it go out, which I don't usually do now, I, that fire got started last week. There will be a hot coal in that fireplace for the next five months. So it'll be a perpetual fire for five straight months, which is kind of cool. But it's just its a pain. I split. I had 12 and a half cords of wood, and it's just sitting there with snow on top of it. So I think I'm going to bust out the leaf blower or broom it. Just walk on top of the pile and broom it off. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe it's melted already, and I'll just cover it up and then uncover. Nobody cares about that. Moving on. How was your hike? You said you are going to climb a mountain. I did. I found a mountain and I climbed it. It was really
0: nice. Uh, it was a shorter hike, but a steeper hike um, at Kings Mountain here, not too far from Charlotte. Really nice. We were the first a, or maybe a second a or third one. Trail. Up. A gravel trail, I'm guessing. Not gravel. No. Um, yeah, Groom Trail. Yeah. Groom. And then, okay. and like you get to the top, it's all rocks and stuff, but it was pretty, pretty view. Pretty view. What was the view of? Uh, just land, just
1: forests and farms in every direction. Here's a question. Cool. <laughs> Ideal view. Ideal view. If you could have a house anywhere in the world, would you rather look over like a mountainscape, a plainscape, like countryside or ocean?
0: Water or, or, or of any, some any kind. Other.
1: What's yeah.
0: That? Water of some kind. Like the, the views in Traverse City were pretty special. Some of those
1: houses on the peninsula and stuff. So something like that, I think, would be the best. I'm lucky enough to have both. My house in Northport has water views, and it gets old, the water, because you just look out, and it's just, it's water, water again. And then I have another house that has a view of water and trees and landscape. I think, like, in West Virginia, in the Smokies, those those houses, they have the views of the mountains and the valleys and the mist in between. I would take that. Those are incredible to me. I think water, maybe this is me being a one-percenter, but it just gets old. It's like, oh, it's water again. It doesn't change much. Whereas trees, the leaves, the snow, they fall. The the snow when it's on the trees, it's really it's neat looking.
0: Yeah. I think it does change the colors, the how active and ripply it is, the sunset, the way it catches the light. John, you gotta you gotta pay a little more attention. Just slow down a little bit from time to time and
1: just just take a minute. It's Look still water. water though. It's just water. I don't know. I you, enjoy it. It's nice. Have you been you in my can, house in Northport? No. No, you told me I'm not allowed. That was a smart call by me. Actually, now (laughs) that I think of it. (laughs) You know, when you just got an inkling about somebody, it was good. It was a good call. All right, moving on. I was fired up. I saw there was a heavyweight battle. Who's the toughest guy in the NHL? There was a fight between Nick Delorier and Mathieu Olivier from Columbus. I don't know much about Olivier, but apparently he's a, a tough fighter. And so I click on the link. I'm on hockeyfights.com where I watch all my fights. You guys should watch them there too. It was such and Nick Deloria in my eyes is the most entertaining fighter in the NHL right now. Him or him or Tanner, you those two guys just throw caution to the wind and they just chuck them. And I go into this fight expecting great things. And it was just, I was cringing the whole time and not because it was a bad fight, not because the guys weren't energetic. I cringe because of the visors. And I'll tell you why I've fought hundreds of times, maybe not hundreds, but over a hundred times on the ice. The thing that scared me the most is when I would fight a guy with the visor. It didn't happen often, but when I fought a guy with the visor, I always made sure to get the helmet off because the worst possible thing in my eyes was catching my knuckle or the top of my hand on his visor and just splitting my hand right open. Visors are sharp. Visors are dangerous. And not just for me. If I catch a visor square and it cracks and I hammer that visor into that guy's face who I'm fighting, it cuts him wide open quicker and more dangerous than any fist ever could. It's amazing how sharp those stinking visors are. So when I see a guy fight like Pat Maroon who wears his visor up on his head and not even covering his eyes, that's even worse because you're, you're coming right down the pipe and his visor's angled right up. Uh, Komarov used to wear his visor like that. So going back to this Deloria Olivier fight, these guys have learned how to fight with visors now. They almost, well, they don't almost, they use it as a shield, which it is for their face. It's like Captain America. When a bullet comes, he puts his shield up. When a punch comes, these guys lower their head and, like, they use their eye visor to block the punch. Go watch that fight. I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's dangerous. And I know there's no end game for this, but it just, it really irked me. I don't like visors, and I watch all these fights now. Every single fight is two guys, and they are just waiting for something bad to happen. No punches really connect, and it's just a bad fight. Then I watched a fight, like uh, Ryan Reeves, Tanner, you know, another heavyweight battle. Reevo had to get his bucket off before he could really start chucking. If you watched a fight, Ryan was tentative, and Ryan, he. I feel bad for the guy. He has to go into every fight at a disadvantage because he's one of the few guys who doesn't have a visor these days and he's fighting these robots with visors over their eyes and they go in and their chin straps taped on and they have an added advantage right away because you, your your surface area where you have to punch has gone from your face to, to like seven inches, a jaw in the bottom of your nose. That's it. Cause you don't want to punch them on the visor. You don't want to punch them in the helmet. It, it's frustrating because I love fighting. Everybody loves fighting that I know all most hockey fans on the large love fighting. And I don't see it ever going back to the way it was ever. I I enjoyed fighting Kyle McLaren, George Perils, Matt Carkner, all these guys Where it was just like, we're just going to punch each other in the face. That's all we're going to do. There's no fear of breaking your hand or cutting your hand or hurting somebody else. When you throw a punch with their visor, it's who's tougher. Let's just punch, you know, the worst thing would happen is you punch a guy in the helmet and you might crack your knuckle. So be it. There I don't know. It just, I don't like it. You're not, a, I don't know. I'm not trying to throw shade. You're not a fighter. Am I blowing this up? Is this, am I just making a big deal of this? Because I really, it really bothers me when I see two guys fight now. Well, here's my for, take. For whatever reason, I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I understand. I understand everything you're saying, especially like I have a visual of you punching someone and catching the bottom of their visor. And it's just like skinning your hand as you come back. You know what I mean? Like it's just that stuff. It freaks me out. I don't like it. And I can see why that would be something that changes the whole dynamic of the fight. But the the visors are there to protect them. Right. And so when you think about the worst thing that could happen in a fight is not that you cut your hand. It's like it's it's the the head injury the TBIs, is all that stuff isn't that a bigger priority than and i'm not saying that the visor necessarily helps with that but put this in perspective cutting your hand or breaking your hand is one of the the things that is an inherent risk of fighting and not necessarily like the longest term
1: impact of all the things that could go wrong right yeah i i get the helmet everybody remembers the george peros incident when he was fighting colton or and he fell down he didn't have his helmet on I get it. I just don't like the non. I just don't like the visors. I really don't. I, I don't think they should have made a mandatory. Uh, whatever. The league's changed. Who is going to be the last guy standing with no visor in your eyes? There's not very many of them. From my research, there's only Ryan Reeves, the Ben brothers, Lou Cheech, Matt Martin, Ryan O'Reilly. Who's going to be the last guy standing in the NHL to go down in the history books as as the Craig McTavish of his era, not wearing a, a visor, because there's not, there are very few yeah. left. Tim, dying breed. Yeah, whoever
0: plays the longest, I guess. I would guess off the top of my head. Oh, good
1: answer. Right. good answer, good answer, well, Tim. Whoever plays oh, the longest, this <laughs> is the kind of material you guys can get <laughs> used to on dropping the gloves. Really good insight, Tim. Whoever, whoever scores, whoever scores more goals is going to win. No, but I,
0: O'Reilly, wow. among that wow. list, he's probably the youngest, right? In that crew, he doesn't seem like he's as old as some of the other guys It hasn't been around as long. So I would say probably him, but I could also see Lucci because he, d- he doesn't seem like he wants to slow down or retire anytime soon. So I
1: would pick one of those two. But who yeah, I think Ryan O'Reilly would be my my pick. And if not him, I would take one of the Ben brothers. But yeah, whoever yeah. does play the longest, I think, will have that. Well, have because that they, could, they could bring in a visor if they wanted to at any point, right? Right. Like Zach Bogosian didn't wear a visor. And now he wears one, Zach yeah. Cassian, I don't think wear's a visor, but yeah, out of those guys, I think good Branson Ryan, he, yep. he plays the least physical I think good Branson wears one now too, yeah, whatever, unbelievable you, that answer it's it's just it's it's, it's a, you it's a good answer I'm it saying volumes of our podcast <laughs> cut that, cut that cut that cut that just all right. Another thing that's happening in the NHL these days, Tim, other than the lack of visors, is the lack of solid goaltending play. Coming into this season, you and I did a fantasy draft. Everybody in the world who plays, who watches hockey is in a fantasy league, most likely, even if you're not, you're a fan of hockey. And what is one of the most important things for a team is the the goaltender. They win and lose you games. If you have a bad goaltender, you will have a bad hockey team. It goes hand in hand. But one thing that we could set our clock to coming into this season, we thought there were a handful of guys who were absolute studs. Lock them in. They're going to be Vesna candidates. They're going to be in the heart candidate trophy mix. These guys are going to make long playoff runs. That's it. Nothing to worry about. Plug and play these guys for 60 games and you have a solid goaltender. Until this year, you pulled up some stats, and I knew some goaltenders were struggling. I wasn't aware the extent of how bad goaltending has been this year across the board, across the NHL. Andre Vasilevsky, Jakob Markstrom, or Jacob Markstrom, Yusuf Saros, Frederick Anderson, Thatcher Demko, Sergei Bobrovsky, Tristan Jari, Jari, Jack Campbell, John Gibson, all of these guys at one time or another in their career has been in the conversation for a Vesna trophy or has won a Vesna trophy or is in the conversation of best goaltender in the NHL at one point in their career. All of these guys, there's five, nine of them are having terrible seasons so far. And maybe some of them is not because they're playing bad. Some of them have a bad team in front of them. Others are just playing terrible. What is your take on this? Cause you're the one who unearthed this for us. What's going on in the NHL with these top tier goaltenders, Tim?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a a flip side to this where there are, like, goalies who are playing way better than we thought they were capable of, like the Logan Thompsons and the Husos and Allmark and the guys like that that are just unbelievable. But there is something to be said for all this. And I started looking into this because I knew that Vasilevsky was underperforming. So I was kind of, like, looking at his stats, and he's got – Five win, but his goals against is 3.1 and save percentage is 8.98, which is way, both of them, way below his career average. And he's not that old. I think he's 29, right? So it's not like he's just getting up there. And then you start looking at other guys around the league who you thought would just be like the cream of the crop. And you you mentioned these names. I'll go down the list of their stats. Markstrom, 2.87 goals against, 8.95 save percentage. Saros, 3.22 901. Anderson, 2.72, 8.91. Demko, is probably the worst of the bunch. Bobrovsky, 329-897. Jari, 355-900. Campbell, 427-873. John Gibson, 447-888. These are, these are dumpster numbers. These are garbage pail numbers. And it's crazy because we had talked, you know, throughout the season, sort of anecdotally about the high scoring numbers and, and the picking the over and the bet US picks and all this. And I think it's more than just anecdotal. I think there's something going on here with these goalies for whatever reason. The offense is up. It almost feels like, you know, when baseball changes the ball and all these guys start hitting home runs and the pitcher's ERA goes up, that's kind of what it feels like, except there's no explanation for it.
1: I think it's indicative of just the way people play the game now. I think you're seeing a new crop of players that have been coming into the league for the last 10 years now, 15 years. I saw it at the tail end of my career, where the draft picks would come in and they would all be uber-skilled. Hands, hockey IQ, through the roof. Just... They've been training their whole life to make the NHL, and you could tell. And they arrived, and they're all just very, very, very talented. From the first rounder down to the seventh rounder. Every single guy, the one thing they had in common, were they had impeccable hands, impeccable talents. Whereas when I first came into the league, I ran across first rounders who, they were good face-off guys, and they worked hard. Their hands, not so great. And that was common, where they were a specialist in one aspect or another but they didn't have the total package. There was They weren't like toe-dragging and sauce-passing and be able to handle the puck in a phone booth. As I grew older in my career, the younger guys just got better and better and better, and I think you're seeing this translate into just better offenses. Gone are the days when it's a shutout. You have five games and two of them are going to be a shutout. That was the norm when I started playing. When I first jumped into the career, what is it now 20 years ago you would expect to have a shutout every single night if there's five or six games now it's rare when there's a shutout I don't know what the stats look like for goalies now but I would be surprised if a goalie has three shutouts this early in the season because how many games what is it Tim they have three goalies with two shutouts and no one has three isn't that insane there's just no shutouts anymore and I think this is indicative of a Players just are so skilled nowadays, from top to bottom. First line to fourth line, all the defenders, they work on their hands. And I think coaching has changed a little bit. I think it's a copycat league. Everybody wants to run and gun. Everybody's not, they don't want to be left behind. So they're just working on offense, 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 offense. And no one really stresses the defensive side of the puck anymore. What do you think?
0: So you think this is more about the g- the game on the ice rather than – because it sounds like – I mean, the, the, the goalies are progressing just as much as the forwards have in the last 10 or 20 years between the playing style, the, the pads they wear, all that. And so – but do you think the forwards are moving along more quickly or is it more just the way that the game is played on the ice in front of them?
1: Well, I think the evolution of a player, I think – Yes, the scores overall are better back. And I and I hate saying this back in my day, but it's the truth. You would have one high-end scoring line that was just lights out. That was your, that was your scores. And then you'd have a second, third, and fourth line who weren't really expected to do much. The fourth line was fighters. The third line was the penalty kill guys. And the second line would maybe chip in a goal every third game. But it was the first line who would put the points up. And the defenseman never really did much. Like when I came into the league, it was Brent Burns, and he was all over the map. He wasn't the Brent Burns like he is now. But after Brent Burns, it was all stay-at-home defenseman types and then one power play specialist who was awful in their own end. But like it was Martin Skoula's, Kim Janssen's. It was the Nick Schultz. It was those types of players who were not offensively gifted at all but could make a decent first pass and were just responsible. And then you'd have a Mark andre Bergeron who had a boomer of a cannon shot but was lost in his own zone. And every team had that. Nowadays, there's defensemen who are up in the rush. They're responsible defensively. It, it's a completely different game from when I entered the league. Every line is dangerous for the most part now. You have teams that have four lines that can score. We saw with Tampa Bay the reason they won the Stanley Cup. Their fourth line was producing more than their first line. So mm-hmm. to, to say that the, the goalies are getting better, yes, I, I agree with that. But I just think the players have... They've evolved a lot more than the goaltenders have. Yes, the goaltenders are getting better athletes playing goaltender. Back in the day, the athletes would play center. They would play left wing. And then the the bigger, slower guys would play defense. And then the leftovers would play goaltender. Now you're getting athletes playing goaltender. You're getting offensive guys playing defense. And all the forwards are just working on their hands nonstop. I just think everyone's better. But there's more offensively gifted players now in the NHL than there ever has been. So that's helping the goaltending. And then I just don't think coaches coach defense much anymore. I really don't. I think it's an offensively driven game. Gary Bettman's been pushing this for years and years and years and years. And that's why it's not abnormal to see seven, eight, nine goals from a team, one team in one game. Every night you check the box score, it's like six, three, seven, four. Unless you hit the over like me, and you press it on Friday, and then you're waiting for the Stars Sharks game, and it's one nothing. I'm like, what the hell? I needed you guys to score three goals, and it's a one nothing game. But that's 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 all. That's that's just me losing my gambling bet. Another thing I wanted to look at is okay, these goalies are struggling. Is it just the goalie struggling, or are are they on a bad team, a bad defensive team? So you go to a, a team like Carolina, always good defensively just a great defensive team. So you go, okay, Freddie Anderson's struggling. What's anti-Ranta doing? Anti-Ranta's playing fine. His save percentage is right. Bang on his career average, Nine eleven. his goals against is two forty seven. He's fine. So that means Freddie Anderson's playing bad. You go to another good defensive team like Calgary, Jacob Markstrom. You, you mentioned his stats, his backup, Dan Vlader. Worse than Markstrom. So you start to think, maybe it's Calgary. Maybe it's not the goaltenders. Maybe it's the actual team. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But... Everybody knows a Daryl Sutter team is really sound defensively. So I think it's the goalies in Calgary. Then you go to a team like Tampa Bay with Vasilevsky. How's Brian Elliott do it? Vasilevsky, 898, 310. Brian Elliott, 895, 327. Not much better. It makes me think it's the defense in Tampa Bay, not the goaltenders. They lose Ryan McDonough. Everybody's getting a little bit older. Victor Hedman's been in and out with injuries. Could be the defense in Tampa Bay that's just not there for the team. Because I look at a goalie like Jordan Binnington. Everybody's getting on him. Oh, he's this and that. You watch a St. Louis Blues game. Jordan Binnington's playing pretty damn good. Yes, everybody blows up his, his blow-ups when he's getting pulled and he's trying to fight other goaltenders and chirp on the bench of L.A. He's playing pretty good. Scandell has been out for a long time. Krug is a shell of his former self. Falk is okay. Nick Letty's playing terrible. Colton Peranko playing terrible this year, so everybody's just throwing all the blame on Jordan Binnington. He's playing not bad. His numbers are atrocious. His numbers are awful, but I don't think he's playing as bad as his numbers shows. The last, the last team I think Nashville always know much like Calgary to have a good defensive system. They don't take many chances. They are sound defensively. UC Sarles struggling from what we saw last year. We expected this guy just to have an MVP type season. He's got nine hundred one, three hundred twenty two. Kevin Lankin is playing pretty darn good. He's got 921 and 260, which makes me think UC Saros is just having a bad year. That's a good gauge of if the goaltender is really struggling. Check the backup stats. If the backup is kind of mirroring the starter, that means it's it's just the team. If the backup's playing fine, then that goalie's struggling. So a couple goaltenders are struggling. A lot of the time, though, Tim, it's just the goalies take a brunt of the blame. But there's there's a bigger underlying theme here where it's the teams aren't playing defense and that poor Jack Campbell. Edmonton's just a bad defensive team. John Gibson, the guy gets a million shots against a game. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Is it the goaltender playing bad, Tim, or is it what I what I think? It's just this is not a defensive league anymore.
0: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, another example: Bobrovsky's been playing really poorly. And then you got Spencer Knight, friend of the show. He's got five wins. He's two thirty-one, nine twenty-two, and he's got a shutout to his name. So it's a great example of just Bobrovsky not playing well. And I think I think they were hoping that that would sort of be the case. Obviously, they wanted to play well, but if they can, Florida specifically get Knight the reins and figure out either a trade partner or a buyout situation for Bobrovsky, that accelerates that lengthens their uh their window. But I think. There's something to be said for all this because with there's smoke, there's fire. There's enough data here that I feel I didn't even include Bennington, but he would fit right in with this stuff. I don't think the expectations were quite as high, but there's clearly something in the water here. And so, is it a good thing for the league? Like these high scoring games and these goalies that are, I mean, you know, for every Tristan Yari and Demko who are underperforming, you got Ottinger and Sorokin and and Huso and Elmark and those guys who are performing pretty well. So it does it kind of evens out, right?
1: I think there's more goaltenders struggling than more goaltenders having a really strong season. It'll make it interesting, Vesna, when we come down to it. Because it's, it's, right now, it's Allmark and Shusterkin. And I guess you could throw Hellebuck in there. Because Logan Thompson, you're not going to give him much. He's a rookie. He will level out. But gosh, Allmark's been playing great. But I don't know. I I, I think it's more a systematic thing. I really do. I think gone are the days when goaltenders are going to put up 12 shutouts. And what did Markstrom get last year? He had something ridiculous. Seven, six or seven? Yeah, so I I just think shutouts are going to be a thing of the past. I think Gary Bettman wanted scoring. Fans love goals. They love to see a nice seven, six games. It's exciting. It just, I don't know, depends on what kind of fan you are. I enjoy a 2-1 game where it's a hard-fought, grind it out, every inch of the ice you got to earn. It's just not... It's just not our society anymore. Hockey is a microcosm, Tim. Let's really break into this of really society as a whole. Yeah. yeah, we really are going to dig into this and go into the whole in-depth what every play means. But I don't is goaltending really that important at the end of the day? Yeah. Yes. It is, it <laughs> yeah. Is. You got to have a good well, goaltender.
0: It's not just the goalies that are struggling, too. We talked about some of the underachieving skaters and Forwards defensemen, I put together a list of just a few that grabbed my eye. And number one is Hubertel, who had what, 100, 100, how many points last 115, year? 115. Yeah. And he's got just one goal and five assists on the year. Part of me, I don't know how, what to make of this. Cause is it a little bit of like this? Sometimes there's, there's a, a down year after signing a massive deal and coming off a big contract year and the, He put everything he had into last season. So maybe there's just not that quite the the mental state there. It could be the chemistry, not playing with Barkov. He doesn't have the same – I mean, credit to Kadri. I think he's a very good player. And some of the other centers they have, Elias Lindholm. But those guys aren't Barkov. And so there's a clearly – is it just timing? Do you think he'll be back? Do you think you know he'll finish with above 80 points? Do you think we're seeing the beginning of a trend for him?
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is very unlike him. He's been a consistent 100-point performer for the last, what, Few years, or at least a point per game guy, because of injuries and COVID, obviously. But he's been a a solid performer for the last four years. He's been bumped down to the third line. <laughs> like it's it's not looking good for Jonathan Huberto right now. And Daryl Sutter is the type of coach that you don't want to mess with. If if you come in and have a bad first impression with him. It's a, it's a long way to gaining his trust again. So right now, he's he's playing with Trevor Lewis and Backlund on the third line. He's been kicked off of Lindholm's line with Tyler Toffoli. He didn't even bump get bumped down to Kadri's line with Apani. I think he – and I don't want to – players these days are so emotional to him. I think he came into this season with a chip on his shoulder. He was – upset that he got dealt from Florida. He felt he was the key piece of that Florida Panthers team, and he did not like to be traded, well-documented. And he came into this season and really wanted to succeed, and maybe he tried a little bit too hard in the offensive end, sacrificed himself defensively, and it just didn't work out. And he's mentally spent right now. Because this point last season, he had 14 or 15 points through the first 10 games, six points in 11 games, which isn't bad for the average player. But when you just sign a big ticket for eight years, what do you get? 64 million, something, something big like that over eight years. So I didn't expect it. I thought he was going to come out and crush it. I expected him to be in the MVP chase again this year, but boy, oh boy, he is not playing well. What a luxury that Calgary has though. The fact that they can just say, you know what? You're going to play the third line. We're gonna bump you down. You're you're our future. You're our present. You're our big ticket that we signed in the offseason. We're gonna throw you in the third line and we're still gonna win. So good for Sutter to have the hutzpah to do that, but he will turn it around eventually. You he, he has to. He's too good. His track record's too good for him to stay in this situation for this long.
0: I think you're probably right. By the way, he signed ten and a half ten point five for eight years. So eighty million. <sighs> It's a lot of money. That's a lot of coin. That's and that doesn't a lot even of- kick in until next year. Yeah. So, it's a lot of um, money. Yeah. Yeah. So he's one. Another one, Kyle Connor. And I think he's heating up a little bit. He hasn't really scored much yet because he had 47 goals last year and he has just two on the season. He's strung together a handful of assists um, over the past couple of games. And I think the, the Winnipeg Jets are, are playing pretty well. Um, but you look at, like, his shooting percentage over the last couple of seasons – and I'll just go back to uh five years, 16.15, 14.98, 15.9, 15.7, 14.8, basically like exactly the same every single year. And then this year is 4.2, very similar to the that we talked about last week, just the shooting percentages are way low. The averages, you'd expect those to climb back up to the mean. So I don't think he's obviously probably not going to score 47 again this year. I don't think he's a 15 goal scorer either. I think he'll he'll pick it up and probably end up with 30 to 35 on the season, I hope, cuz I own him in fantasy. But yeah, it's another player that's gotten off to a slow start.
1: Yeah, but like you said, he's got tennis. He's chipping in in other ways. Kyle Connor, I like him. He he is the type of guy who yes, you like it if he scores 47 goals or whatever he had last year, that's fantastic, but even if he doesn't, he he'll still be valuable in so many other ways. In Winnipeg, I tell you what, Tim, they're having a good year. Everyone, we, we talked about them last week. I like Winnipeg. It's very rare when you have the star power that they have, the Scheifele, the Dubois, the Connors, the Wheelers. Your leading scorer is a defenseman, Josh Morrissey. And he only has one goal, 14 assists. So it, they're having a strange season. They're having a very odd season, but they're in it. Hellebuck's playing fantastic. Kyle Connor starts scoring goals. This This team... They're not a contender let's not get it ahead of ourselves, but it's a good story. A player that I wanted to talk about who I thought was going to have a, just a massive year. He had a good playoffs last year when he we went to the New York Rangers. He was a coveted free agent. Stevie I got him for the Detroit Red Wings. I thought he was going to fit perfectly in that group. Andrew Copp he has just been he's been invisible Tim. This season so far, I thought he was going to just be first power play. He's going to mesh with Dylan Larkin. It was going to be fantastic. He's got one goal, six assists, dash one. He's played 15 games. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Kopp. I've watched a handful of Detroit Red Wings games because they're an exciting team. He's very forgetful, very unnoticeable. Last year when he was in the playoff run, him and Panarin were so fun to watch. Every single game, those guys were just tic-tac-toeing. It was it was just beautiful to watch. I don't know what has happened with him in Detroit. Has the money gone to his head? Did he enjoy signing that ticket? And now he's just taking the year off. I don't know what's going on with him, but it's it's so far, it's not working. Stevie Y very rarely makes a mistake. He's a really good GM. Everybody knows that. But does this end up being one of the worst contracts? Sign this offseason if Andrew Kopp all of a sudden finishes the year and he's got 10 goals, 20 assists, and he's making 5.625 a year for the next five years. I, that one surprised me because I, the way he plays the game, I would just assume it, it would be hard for him to struggle because he's just He's such a good player, and he showed so much last year for to me, anyways. So he—he's the one, other than Jack Campbell, who's just been a complete disaster. He is my well, biggest disappointment so far.
0: Yeah, but Kopp is the like the prototypical player who's impacting the game in lots of ways, even when he's not scoring. Like the the intensity and tenacity that with, with with which he like kills penalties and block shots, and he's not a big fighter, but he's scrappy after the whistle, and he brings a lot of energy to the team so it's funny cuz when you started talking about him i was like cop he's not in like he's not an offensive forward but in 16 games last year with the rangers after being traded he had eight goals 10 assists like he is a legit uh, skill guy i think part of it's just the uh, right situation right timing i think i don't think he's probably a point per game player even at his best over the course of a full season but i do think he's better than this and i do think you probably want some bigger goals from him when i think of andrew cop i think of like who the guy you want in your team in a playoff run? And I think more of like he scores big goals in big moments rather than high volume goals. I don't think he's a he's not going to score your thirty goals, but I do think he's definitely more capable than what he's doing so far this year.
1: Yeah, I, I think they he had a great year last year. He really did, and uh, maybe I was expecting him to carry that and transition that into a a bigger role this year with the Detroit Red Wings because he. You know, he was on Winnipeg. He was buried in the lineup, and he was third line most often. With the Rangers, he really elevated his game, got first-line minutes with Panarin, and he he executed. He was scoring. He was playing. He was on the power play. He was, he was doing really good things. And now he's transitioned to Detroit, where I thought he was going to step into that role again. It just hasn't worked so far. We'll see. It's early, but gosh, one goal five assists or six assists, whatever he has, it's not a great start for a guy who's making almost $6 million, especially going to a new team where you want to make a really good first impression. So, I don't know. I thought he was – he's just having the worst – not the worst, but for the signings, the big-name signings. I guess Huberto's probably worse because he's making $10 million next year. But who – another guy from the Red Wings you, you saw was having a down year, friend of the show, Tim.
0: Yeah, most cider and both tied to the ice, really. So after putting up 50 points, obviously his rookie year, he has just zero goals, five assists on the season. So that's kind of where it caught my eye. And I've actually watched a handful of Red Wings games and he doesn't look, he doesn't look like what we saw last year, at least not for, you know, there's moments where he's just getting beat in his own zone or getting out muscled in the corner, which is not at all the player we saw last season. So I think part of it's just a, the typical sophomore slump is the reason why that's such a thing. And I think, you know, guys have, I've, more accurate expectations for what it's like to play against them. They're game planning against them a little bit more and taking them more seriously than they did last year. So I think, I think the part of it, it he'll be fine. He's a great player. And I put this out on Twitter a few weeks ago. We had this really good response from the, I don't know how you say it, at both um, that kind of broke it down with some really interesting numbers here, about what, what's going on with cider. So part of it, and this is not a number I never really looked at. We don't talk about it much in that show, but like breaking down their shifts based on offensive and defensive um, zone face-offs. And so Cider uh, is offensive zone is 34.7 as of this conversation last week. I don't, I didn't update it for today, but last year, no Red Wing was under 35% and Cider was at 45%. So that's a pretty significant drop-off compared to how he's being utilized by his coach compared to last season. And on the flip side of that, it's like he's being treated like he's a no-offense shutdown guy rather than a two-way or even an offense-first defenseman. And I think he's probably a two-way guy. I think you'd, you'd want him to, like a headman type. And and the comparison that this tweeter made was that he's being treated like a young Constantino instead of a Lidstrom, which I'm sure the Red Wings fans like. And so I, I think there's something to be said for this. I think probably the coach – um is putting more pressure on him and putting him in more situations. I think primarily because he trusts him in that role, but it does see that, you know, him being still young, still, I think he's 20, it's definitely impacting his stats.
1: Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with his partner. He's paired up with Ben Sherratt, who is a defensive-minded defenseman. You want him on the D-zone draw to kind of break it out to, you know, protect the D-zone. There are other two pairings, I don't want to say all offensive, but they lean that way with – the Philip Hronik and Olimata and Osterley and Lindstrom. Oddly enough, they have a Lindstrom, not a Lidstrom. But yeah, cider will be fine. I think just talking to him, maybe he's pushing a little bit too much. Where he he had such a fantastic rookie season, like it it was it could not have gone better. And you want to build on that. You want to improve all across the board. But you know, life's not perfect. What are you going to do? I think he will be and is, you know, a top 10 defenseman in the NHL for the rest of his career. So it's just a blip. He's got five assists. It's not the worst thing in the world. But, yeah, the wings could utilize him better. When you're – the, the most frustrating thing, and I never experienced this because I'm not an offensive guy, but I did sometimes where you you go and you, you grind out a shift and the face-offs in the offensive zone and you're still fresh and then you get – you get changed for you, like, because it, it's such an advantage to start in the offensive zone, especially if you're a defenseman. You get the whole everything in front of you. If they win the draw, it's even better. Even if they lose the draw, you usually have a play how to. You're pinching a uh, forward's covering, so you keep it in a lot of the times. But it's just to start in your own zone, shift after shift after shift after shift. That's a that wears on you. It really does wear you because you, you spent all that energy in the defensive zone to get it out. Then you change because you have to change. You can't go to the offensive zone and risk being caught in your own end for a long shift. So, yeah, I'm sure he's not happy, but he's a good player. I'm not worried about a most Sider just yet. Who I am worried about, Tim, is a guy who I said, do not sign this guy to another contract if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why are you doing this? You are just sacrificing your future. Nobody listens to me. Nobody takes me serious. Oh, he's a big, stupid goon. We're not listening to him. Ha ha. No, 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 boo, boo. You're wrong. I'm right. Crystal Tang is having a terrible season. What is his stats so far this year, Tim? What does he got?
0: He's got zero goals. He has eight assists. He's a minus six on the season. And even though he runs probably uh, you'd think would be an elite power play, he's only got two power play points on the year. Is this a matter of age finally catching up with him?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's 35 years old. He's a good hockey player. He's had a well-documented laundry list of injuries all over his body, top to bottom. The guy's always injured wind this offseason you're not respecting me Uh, Pittsburgh, me and Malkin, we deserve more money, they signed each for 6.1 Latang gets a 7 year deal Malkin gets a 4 year deal it's great, we're going to just keep playing we're going to sign these guys, we're going to win Stanley Cups, no it was such a mistake bringing him back good defenseman Tim he's just, he's past his prime he's 35, going to be 36 years old You can tell he's lost a step. He has flashes. He's a great player. Probably will be a Hall of Famer. It was just such a mistake. And I I don't know why teams do this. I don't know why. I don't want to gloat or just sit here and have a party because Crystal Tang's not living up to his contract. But it was so easy to predict. The guy's 35 years old. And you sign him. To a seven-year contract? Six-year contract? till he was 41? What do you do? Like, honestly. Whatever. You you get what you pay for. So that's what you get, Ron Hexall. You got bullied into doing this contract. Sid probably came in your office and said, I want Evgeny and I want Chris back. And he said, okay, Sid, sorry, uh, I don't want to do it. Oh, you're doing it, or else I'm leaving. I'm Sidney Crosby. Sidney's $8.7 million contract. He's such a turd. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, was, it wasn't just
0: Latang. It was Malkin. They were kind of hand-in-hand deal. I know they didn't get signed at the same time, but Malkin, on the flip side, he's got 16 points, including seven goals in 15 games this year. And so... You were kind of saying that he wasn't going to be worth it either, and he's worked out beautifully so far this season. So, I mean, you can't – I don't think you could really – it's a little 2020, I think, in hindsight.
1: No. I think Malkin's a bad contract too. They sign him for four years. These guys will be 40 years old when their contracts expire. Malkin's a world-class player, but do you think this contract will be a good contract in three years when he's 39 and he still has one year left on his deal? No. It, Hextall made a mistake by re-upping these two guys. I know it's four. Malkin put a, could have gotten more on the open market, probably. So could have Latang. So they, they took a little bit of a hit to stay in Pittsburgh. But at what point do you have to move on? We talked about this before. I don't want to get into this again, but are you winning the Stanley Cup this year if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, will you win it next year with these two guys on your roster? No. Move on. Get some fresh blood in there. Use that $12 million to go get somebody else. Go get Austin Matthews when he's up next year. Let him play with Crosby for two years. How fun would that be? But it is what it is. You, you had to expect one of them, if not both of them, were going to regress. Malkin's had a great start to the season. He himself is injury prone. So it's just a matter of time before he gets injured or he gets disinterested. Because we all know how disinterested you, Benny Malkin is, and you just let him be, and he goes away. Much like when we had Marion on how he was saying Dustin Bufflin or uh, Alexi Yashin or these guys, if they ever applied themselves consistently, they would be the best players in the world. Alexi Yashin really stood out for me. The guy didn't try. Malkin's the same way. He doesn't give it all all the time. That's why he won't be one of the best ever. He'll go down as one of you know the top 100 players of all time, but not top five. And he has the tools to be that top five player of all time, but he just doesn't apply himself all the time. Which is silly to think about because he's still an insanely gifted player, but he doesn't give it all. He doesn't. He doesn't go all in. So I know they're bad contracts. They're good value, but you're not going to win the Stanley Cup with these two guys. They're 35 and 36 years old, and they still have four and six years left on their deals. Not good. Oh, but Brian Rust signed. I you signed me before Brian Rust. Oh, you're such a baby! My goodness, so incredibly soft. But I want to sign a contract first. I don't care what you think. I don't care how you feel, Moke, and you big. Ba- I'm calling everybody babies lately. But doesn't it? Isn't that wild that grown men are upset that you didn't you didn't sign them first? I want to feel more important. You probably think, think it's think, perfectly fine. I don't think that's really
0: quite what he said or how he said it. But well, he's looking he at speaks like,
1: Russian. His translator said
0: <laughs> that. But why aren't why aren't I a bigger part of your priorities this summer?
1: Why are you You are. You're one of my main priorities. I, I signed somebody yet. else
0: first. Huh? I don't have a contract yet. But it doesn't feel like it. Let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're signing all these other guys. You're telling me I'm important. You're signing other guys before me. That doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I have to sign other players too. Did, on our jersey, does it does it say the Evgeny Malkins on the front or does it say the Pittsburgh Penguins? Okay. I, I, last time I checked, we had a big stinking logo of a penguin, not your face. This is a team, Evgeny. You're not always going to be first in line such a baby my goodness you're making millions of dollars you the egos are very fragile with hockey players i know this better than anybody because i used to i used to have an ego. then i had seven daughters and i have zero ego whatsoever if i don't walk out of the room looking halfway decent i just get roasted by five kids what are you wearing that your breath stinks your hair looks terrible what happened to your face my goodness, I'm going back to bed. You guys, just insane.
0: Wait, Tough I time. had a. Uh, this is not relevant, but I saw this on like a TV show. So, qu- quick question about your your kids. You come home from work in a couple hours, someone's crying. Who is it and
1: why? Oh, my wife. Because <laughs> she's upset <laughs> at the, some of the, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the girls. <laughs> oh, no, it's always my wife. She's upset at one of the kids and doesn't know how to handle it. No, uh, <laughs> one of the girls, it's. Um, one of them. It's always somebody different. I don't have a consistent crier. I, 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 will, I don't tolerate crying. So I say this a lot, and you probably, I'm probably a bad parent for this, but you could kind of see me saying this. If someone's crying, I go, are you bleeding? Did someone do something really bad to you? Because if it's not one of those two things, you got to stop crying. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with it. Life is hard. Move on. I, I say that weekly to my kids because they cry like, oh, like someone you know she was mean to me and she took that. I'm like, are you are you hurt? Was it egregiously bad? No. Are you, are your feel like it's just your feelings got hurt? Let's t- let's talk about it. I don't want to deal with this crying stuff. I, I I'm not that parent, Tim. Like I couldn't. You would you would be a great parent for my kids because you guys would have feeling sessions. Are you feeling yeah. safe? Are you feeling safe to talk to me? We'll Let's take just a walk. Friends.
0: Yeah. Let's go over here. Just the two of us. We'll have some cookies and we'll talk about our feelings.
1: Yeah. You did nothing wrong. Everybody's great. You are all perfect. Little angels. Oh, no. Thank you. All right. Who else? One more player, Tim, and then we'll move on to something else. We're yeah. really, really talking about a lot of stuff today.
0: Well, it's funny because we talked about, okay, the next player, Brock Besser, zero goals.
1: Oh no, Brock. Oh no.
0: You think of Brock Besser, you think if there's one thing that he does at scoring goals, he's got zero on the season. He missed a couple of games, but he's played 10 games and talk about being part of the problem. When the Vancouver Canucks can't buy a win, they lost against the Bruins last night. And you got your, if there's a guy in the team who's a goal scorer, it's him and he's, it's not, he's not finding the back of a net. And, and so what, what interested me, I started looking at other players that have zero goals on the year. Matthew Barz all has zero goals, which is also crazy. But what's crazy with him now going back to last season, he's got 21 straight assists without scoring a goal, um, which is a second, I think, of all time. But the record will never be broken. Five six years ago, Daniel Sedin scored thirty seven straight assists without scoring a goal, which is pretty special. Um, but back to Brock, yeah, he's a goal scorer who's not scoring. And I watched the Canucks last night. They're not. They're not a good team, John. I don't know what it is. They just they're they're not good. The defense probably most of all. The Bruins were, felt like they were on the power play for half the game.
1: <laughs> the Canucks are bad. There, How long until – I can't believe Boudreau still has his job. Do you think yeah. they're not firing because no other coach is taking that job? What what coach in their right mind who has any aspirations of being a, a coach for the rest of their career would take the Vancouver Canucks' job? There's no coach that I can think of would want to walk into this, this locker room. It's just – insane how bad this team is right now they're they're so bad it's criminal how bad and you 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 mentioned it they they do everything bad yeah. their power play their goaltending their defense their offense everything 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 is bad for the vancouver canucks right now Thatcher Demko, garbage this year i feel bad for thatcher he's a good goaltender they're just so they're oh and brock besser what are you going to do? They re-upped him this past year, 6.65. What do you think JT Miller's thinking? He just re-upped eight years, $8 million, $64 million. What do you re- Does he regret signing that big ticket? And how happy is Bo Horvat to get out of this dumpster fire next year? He's going to be a UFA. He is just skipping out of town at the end of the season. Can't wait to get out of there.
0: Yeah, there's, man, you're stuck with him. I feel like the, the Canucks and Miller both regret the deal and they're both stuck with each other. And there's no move in that contract, I don't think. And so I will say he was one of the, the, the players to watch last night. You did notice him. He was making things happen, maybe trying to do too much. Cause even like, there was just little moments that you just watch these guys. It's like, there's the chemistry isn't there. They're not finishing. The power play didn't look good. The penalty kid, penalty kill wasn't great. I
1: don't know. What JT Miller must be thinking, but he can't be happy. I don't know if anybody's happy in the Vancouver Connect. That Podlog, Pod Pad Pod Colson, the guy he said he was gonna watch out for him this year. He got into a fight with that greer kid from Boston, just got his doors beat off. You know what's bad when your Russians trying to spark your team and he's just getting destroyed by some guy. So just a punching bag. But, anyways, when I'm a punching bag, I need some ice. And I get my ice from DoorDash Tim. It's not just food that DoorDash delivers. It's not just liquids. Whatever you want. They get me bags of ice. They get me some peas. They get me a steak. I throw them on my eyes. I throw them on my nose after I'm in a big fight. I had mens league last night. Four goals. No big deal. Wanted some beers. DoorDash. Ding dong. use promo code GLOVESDDUS. Got myself 25% off free delivery. It was fantastic. DoorDash is the company that does everything And they do it quickly and they do it right. Get yourself some food, some drinks, some ice, whatever you want. DoorDash is there to get you what you want. And if you live in Canada, we got a promo code for you, too. It's just GlovesDD. In the USA, it's US. Use promo code and you get 25% off free delivery. DoorDash, everybody. All right, Tim, time for some quick hits.
0: Yeah, there's a couple here that I think grab my attention. Jamie Ben is kind of—I wouldn't say he's resurging quite, but they having a great start to the season. Um, and we talked about how important he is to the Stars. They're they're second place in their division, technically tied with points, but they play more games. Um, he's six. Goals, five assists, 11 points in the season. And sorry, in in the last six games, including a hat trick a few games ago, he had another game two games later where he scored two goals. He's getting into fights. He's being kind of the player that he, he was five, six years ago when he was at his prime and was maybe the best power forward in the league. So good to see him back doing his thing. Um, there was another fight over the weekend. Did you see this in the East Coast league with these two guys I knocked did. each other out simultaneously? Have you seen something like that
1: before? Never a double, not on the ice. I've seen it like in UFC. I've seen it in boxing. boxing. Never on the ice. It was pretty neat. Two little guys going at it, throwing them. I loved it. And then boink, both got a rate on the button. Pretty funny.
0: Yeah. If I ever get into a fight, there's no chance. Even if I knock the other guy out, I'm also getting knocked out. Like there's no
1: chance I don't go down in some way or form. Would you say? It's the first guy who pops up who wins. It's like Rocky and who did he fight? Was it Apollo Creed or something? The first guy who gets up wins. Yeah, I've never, never seen, seen those movie. movies. Yeah. You've never seen Rocky? None of them. No. Oh my gosh, Tim. What's the matter? Did Go I watch out them? and get all of them. They're so good. Rocky Three, one of the best ones ever. Ivan Drago. So incredibly entertaining. <laughs> More right. tough what news. Else?
0: Columbus Blue Jackets after a horrendous start to the season. Now Zach Werenski's done for the year, uh, for the regular season, unless they make the playoffs. But he's got a separated shoulder and a torn labrum. And then um, just this morning, Patrick is out three to four weeks with another upper body
1: injury. So they just the hits keep coming for those guys. Line a cannot get out of Columbus fast enough. He hates that team. He hates that city. He wants out so incredibly bad. It would not surprise me. That's the thing, though. Who's going to take Patrick Liney? what he's done the last few years. Can you really trust him to come in and be a good player for your team? I don't think you can. He does not want to be there. You, Columbus is a bad spot right now, and he makes 8.7 for the next four years. You got to think it's going to be a short term deal, right? He's got to prove who? something. Line He just signed it- four years, $8 million, 8.7. So he's he's there. Until 25, 26, that season's over. He's there for a long time. So, I don't know, Columbus. He, I, I like their GM, Yarmo, because he was just such a gambler at the trade deadline. and He went out and he made things happen. I don't know what he's doing with this team right now. He gives good Branson that big deal. He brings Johnny Goudreau in on a decent deal. But I just don't know what he's doing with this team. There's There's no – it doesn't make sense to me. When you're building a team, uh, do you start with Johnny Gaudreau? I, I uh, Connor Bedard, going to turn like that your, team around. You, your first line centerman's Jack Roslevic, Boone Jenner. Uh, you know, I don't know where they go from here. They're they're in a tough spot because I don't see a way out from where they're headed. They don't have any shining bright stars who they can just kind of. Circle the wagons around, you know? Warinski might be the only one. Now he's hurt for the season. Well, who knows how this is going to affect him long-term. You don't think Gaudreau and Line are stars to build around? No, I don't. No, definitely not. No. I and mean, they're great players. I'm building my team around defensemen and centermen. I say this every single year. Not around wingers. I can find scoring wingers. They're easier to find than good, good two-way centermen. And solid defensemen. Every every deadline, what, what do teams want? Centermen and defensemen. That's it. Those are the guys. Those are prize acquisitions. You're giving up first rounders for defensemen. You're not giving up first rounders for scoring wingers. So, no. Not Johnny. Not Patrick. My centermen cannot be Boone Jenner, Jack Roslevic, and Cole Sillinger if I expect to win anything. I don't care how good Johnny Gaudreau is. Not winning anything. So, Columbus, they got a lot. They got, they got a long way to go before they're competitive again. I feel bad for Johnny Gaudreau. He is signed up for just a decade of futility in Columbus because they got nothing, nothing exciting in the works. All right. One more just dagger in the Canucks, Tim. What are you going to say?
0: The Canucks have surrendered at least three goals in 15 out of their 16 games this season. I'm going to say that again. In 16 games they played, they let in three or more in 15 out of the 16. This is crazy.
1: Crazy, crazy. Um, You would think they'd be the worst team in the league for goals against, but no, it's the Anaheim Ducks. uh, Yeah. That division is so bad. It's incredible, the Pacific Division. It's just oppressive, these teams, the goals against averages on these teams. Okay. He's not much better. Edmonton gives up a ton of goals. The LA Kings give up a ton of goals. The Vegas Golden Knights just hit the jackpot going in that division. They really did.
0: Yeah, but you look at the league standings across the entire league. Vegas is in second. That's Pacific Division. Kings are in fourth. That's Pacific Division. And then Seattle is tied for fifth. That's also Pacific Division. I don't
1: think it's it's like a highs and lows thing. Like the best. No, teams the worst because teams. they get to pick on Anaheim, Vancouver, San Jose all the time. Those are just tap in points. And then they go play Arizona, Chicago, and St. Louis. So you get the added benefit. The bottom three and four in the Pacific and Central are terrible. When you look at the bottom three and four in the Atlantic and the Metro, it's Pittsburgh, it's Washington, it's Philly, it's Montreal, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. I would much rather, much rather play Arizona and Vancouver and Anaheim and St. Louis than Detroit and Buffalo and Ottawa and Pittsburgh and Washington. So... Just the top to bottom strength of each division, it's it's obvious. It's so obvious. So yeah, good good for Seattle. They're going to really be in it at the end of the season. All right, Tim. Let's 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 gamble. Tired of this. I want to gamble. I want to win some money. What are we doing?
0: I'm going to take a page out of your book with tonight's picks. There's four games tonight. I'm going to bet on each of them. Then I'm going to parlay all four. We'll see how this works out. Okay. So I'm going with the Islanders. The Kings, the Hurricanes, and the Avalanche, and they are all favored except for the King. They're the underdogs, um, but I like them to win tonight. So I'm going a lot, each of those four teams and a parlay them all and collect about a thousand dollars in winnings tomorrow.
1: Wow, Tim, that's uh, that's a big bet. I'm going to go oh. take a page out of yearbook. I'm going to go one game: the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche. The over or under set at six. I'm going to put a ton of money on the over. That's it. I'm going to put a ton of money on the over, and I'm going to bet one game. See how much I win. That's all I'm going to do. You You can do your parlay. You can do your four. I have just gotten burned the last couple of weeks of just losing one and winning a little bit here and there. But I'm going to plop in a big bet, and I'm going to win a big bet. The over. And away we go. The St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, the over-unders. Or should I do the Hurricanes, Blackhawks? What should I do? Or the Islanders, Senators, Kings, Flames. Which one do you think is going to be over six?
0: I think all but Kings, Flames could be over.
1: I agree. Hurricanes are a defensive team. St. Louis just can't score. I think that's why that line is so low. They don't score at all. So I'm going Blues, Avalanche. I'm going to stay with my gut. I'm going over. Lock it in. Final answer, Reege. That's it, deal it. Or No That's deal. It. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh nope. nope. All right. Everybody jump on BetUS. Enjoy the action. Get a 125% deposit bonus if you sign up today. Other than that, we'll see everybody on Wednesday. Cheers. <laughs>